Let's talk about Britain being the first to authorise the vaccine. Let's also discuss the hidden story of African-Irish children. What about bird flu just before Christmas? And a whole lot more. This is Pablo from Hackney, and this is Pablo's podcast. Thank you for choosing Pablo's podcast today. Welcome. It's not enough to be compassionate. We must act. The Dalai Lama. So Britain's going to be the first, well, Britain is the first country to approve approve vaccination. And they'll be giving it to people in the coming weeks before the end of 2020. I, I, I think this quite remarkable to be fair um you know uh, the, the fact that you know at the beginning of the year like march they were you know the world the planet was in chaos this it seemed like there was no way out no one didn't know what was going on and now before the end of the year they've not only got a vaccine they're actually going to be administering it i think that's extraordinary um I hope it does what they hope it, you know, what they say it does, you know. Um, it's unfortunate that you got, I think you've got to take two doses. Um, and even then, they don't know how long it lasts. So um, I'm sure they'll be monitoring the people that, that take it um, to find it out. So, yeah, I, I hope it works. And I'm glad it's not, it's not being forced on anybody, you know. It seems like it's being put out in the same way as... Um, as the flu, flu, flu jab, you know, it's there, it's available. If you want it, you take it. If you don't want to take it, you don't. So um, I'm sure there's going to be other countries on the planet that make it mandatory. Um, but yeah, I'm just glad the UK is not on that. Um, I think Boris said um, it's not part of our culture or the ambition of the country to make vaccines uh, mandatory. So those were his words, um, and hopefully they, they stick to that. I'm f- I think people feel a lot more comfortable with, with that moving forward. And, yeah. Um, but there are immunisation cards coming. Um, that's, that's something that's on its way. Um, and other countries may ask for proof, proof of vaccination. Um, I know they're also doing an um, international travel pass. That's something else that's in development. And airlines like Qantas Airlines um, said they're only taking people who are vaccinated. Um, they're either going to do that or they're in talks in regards to that. Um, and yeah, so, you know, different countries are going to do different things. But the truth is, we, we ha- you have to have vaccines to go to certain um, countries, to earn, enter certain countries. Um, countries uh, like yellow fever. Yellow fever is one of the vaccinations that you have to have to go to certain countries in Africa, actually. So, um, you know, if, you, if, you're, if, you're glo- if you're an international person, yeah, and you're not somebody who likes to take vaccines, you know, that you're going to have to have, have some questions with yourself and ask, the way, ask how you're going to navigate around this situation. Um, but like I said, vaccines, we've been taking vaccines for years. Um, I think the, the big issue with this one, I suppose, for people is, is how quick it turned around. Um, that's, that's, that's one of the big things and more. But yeah, so we'd definitely be watching that carefully going forward. But also in, um, in Denmark, um, there's still, I mean, I spoke about it um, a couple of podcasts back. Um, I don't, you don't hear too much in the news about it, funny enough, um, since, it, since it first broke. But in regards to the, um, the minks um, 
we spoke about them having the um, uh, the coronavirus that mutated uh, like a mink version um, that obviously they didn't want humans to be catching it and stuff. I think a few humans, a few people were were had had caught it, so they went about um, burying like millions of mink. Um, but now it's turned out that I believe that was illegal to bury them. So now they're looking to um, dig them all up and um, incinerate them. Well, I'm kind of wondering why they didn't do that in the first place. Because so, burning would have always been better, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's going to be happening. But yeah, I mean that's that's something we still have to be mindful of. You know, there's a there's a vaccine now, but like they've said, there, there's a mutations of this thing. So hopefully it stops mutating and hopefully this vaccine deals with that mutation. But saying that, there's about 10 different other vaccines at the moment. So more than likely one of them will address that issue. But time will tell. We'll see how it goes. Um, I'm happy to say um, there's no been no uh, youth violence ending in death this week. Um, and that is always a beautiful thing. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad, you know. That's, this is what we want, more weeks than not. That is what we want. Um, uh, Miss Bell, um, Kira Bell, I think her name is, from Cambridge. Um, she's the young lady who brought a case against the Tavistock uh, in regards to puberty blockers for under eight, for under 16. So she basically um, had, uh, I think it's gender dysphoria, they call it, and she under, underwent the treatment, the puberty blocker treatment. I think she went, she had um, some surgery as well because um, she identified as, as a male. Uh, but as she got older, she, she realised that that isn't what she wanted and she wanted to revert back. Obviously, there's only certain things you can revert back. So I, I think it's doubtful that she'll ever be able to um, have children and, and stuff like that. But long, long, long and short of it is, um, they, she won her case, um, so so yeah, think, so things are changing. Um, but I think the LGBTQ uh, activists and, and community um, are not happy with the outcome of that. So, but we'll see how how thing goes. But I, I really I really feel it for that for that girl because, um, like I said, she's twenty three now, and you know her life has changed forever. You know, and there, there is no going back. So. Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, I can. I can see this, the wisdom in in making those permanent decisions a little bit later on in life. You know, not for under 16s. Um, but yeah, so I think it's, if you're over 16, um, it's, a, it's a different situation. But anyone under 16, they can't be making them situ- them decisions going forward. So on a lighter note, you know, I was out in the cold today. Um, I wasn't complaining though because grassroots football is back on, um, and it's I think it's really good for the kids. I think that's something that we should, regardless of what happens with with the virus and stuff, because you know I, I don't I really don't think that the virus is going anywhere. I think we're we're just going to learn to live with it and work around it with the vaccines etc. and keeping clean. But things like sports, you know, for young people, for people in general to keep fit and healthy. Those things, I think we have to um, uh, definitely make sure those things are continuously up and running because, you know, being locked up 
and you know locked up in your house and not being able to play with your friends or see your friends or get that exercise there's there's already uh new restrictions on young people that you know young people have never had to deal with before so to take away sports and, and things like that it's a, it's a bit too much so and especially as it's outside you know i mean even inside can work but definitely outside there's no reason to stop outside stuff is these are my thoughts you know so i'm just glad it's back anyway totally enjoyed that um but in regards to football there's there is the other side to it and um derby played uh, millwall today and they were booing uh the the pre the game when the players took the knee and this is the first time that people have been allowed back into uh, the football stadiums, 2,000 fans maximum. So the first time they've been allowed back in and the fans have, you know, decided to boo people taking the knee prior to the match. I'd really, I'd really like to know what, what is it they're booing? What, what is it they, they, they are protesting against? Because they're booing is a protest, you know, they're taking the knee is a protest and we know what that's about. But what what are the fans doing? Um, so yeah, football is a it's a how can I say it's, it's it really gives you an insight of the pulse, I'd say, of the nation. Not everybody, but yeah, I mean the UK. It's you know the majority of the UK loves football, um, so you, you do get a lot of truth. Um, from football fans, whether it's positive or, or, or negative. But the fact that, you know, and it's not even a full stadium. You're only talking about 2,000 fans. So within that small amount, they still saw it fit to be booing um, people taking the knee. It, it, it says a lot. It says a lot. But hey, um, it happens, you know. And as much as I'm, you know, I, I'm glad that the kids are getting out to play. I do think... It did make me think about, you know, that age group, the young age group, like, okay, so you're, they're getting into football, they love football, but this is actually another part of football, you know. Can you imagine being on the pitch and having to deal with that, you know, as a, as a, as a person of, you know, as a, as a black person, you know, of a, as a person of African descent. Not nice. But we have to um, crack on with life, regardless of people um, like that. But I would really like to hear what their what their gripe is in regards to that. Um, well, uh, one person I know who I know what their gripe is, and that's Pretty Patel, um, and her gripe is um, the the anti deportation campaign that went on this week. Um, she's not happy about that at all. Um, she's she's even gone as far to say that um, she found it deeply offensive. So go figure. Um, so, I mean, I think it was, I think it was about 30-odd people were meant to um, be deported on Wednesday. Um, and I think 23 of them um, uh, didn't have to leave. 30, 13 prisoners um, were deported back to Jamaica. 23 um, are, are still here um, going through the legal challenges and whatnot. So, so imagine... If this, if people weren't uh, campaigning against it, all of them would have went. But now we definitely know at least 23 of them had some legal challenges to be spoken about, to, you know, to explore. 
So that would never have happened if these people, uh, if people weren't campaigning against it. So, so good on them for campaigning it. Good on whoever um, decided that the 23 um, people uh, should should stay and and continue to fight their case. I don't know who I haven't. I don't know these people individually. I don't know what crimes they've committed, you know, etc. But there's obviously something that needs to be explored, and. Ultimately, we are talking about people that have been here since they were children. So, you know, there is a strong argument to say, you know, these people should be dealt with in England, you know. You know, that would be the thing. And plus they've got connections there. You've got, you've got uh, I think they worked at over 100 or about 100 um, children will lose one of their parents through this, you know, because their father, there's about 100 kids between them. And um, yeah, they, their dad's gone. You know, their dad w won't be here again. They won't get to see their dad again in, in real life, especially with the COVID situation as well. So yeah, that's um, yeah. So we we we'll, we'll kind of see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. And, I, and I'm mindful that all it's not just Jamaican people that get deported. You know, Romanians get deported. Polish. You know, just people who who shouldn't be here. Who the, who England deem shouldn't be here. They all get deported. But there is a a tone. Um, there is a kind of a tone that is when when they speak about the Jamaican um, people being deported. When you hear it on the radio, um, I, especially I heard I heard uh, I think it was Nick Ferrari was talking about it um, the other morning, um, and there was definitely something in the tone that just yeah, just uncomfortable uncomfortable listening um i think he, he he might need to reflect on on how he reports on 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 those things but you know he is um he is one of the most listened to people on the radio so again that all plays into like i said the tone the the the, the pulse of 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 the uk is is, is what it is um I found out as well, yeah, some stories, in, well, hidden stories kind of um, about African-Irish children, um, which I, I didn't really know anything about. I mean, I, only, I think last year I realised there's a big African, not African, well, people of African descent uh, community in Ireland, you know, and I remember seeing um, some young young black um, Irish people. And when you hear them talk and you, you know, obviously you see they're black and you hear this thick Irish accent, it always, it always throws me. But yeah, so there's a, a big community there. But that community has been there um, for a long time. Um, I think uh, like from this, in, even in the 60s, um, a lot of, lot of um, students come over um, to study at Trinity College um, in Dublin. Um, and you know, like studying things like to be surgeons, um, involved in the law, government administration, things like that. So I think in 1962 there was at least like one thousand, just over a thousand students, which is like a tenth of um, Ireland's student population were African, basically. So I didn't realise that. But as a result of that, there were, um, you know, you know, as students do, as young people do, there was a lot of um, relationships built up with the locals and there were a lot of um, illegitimate children um, born of that but the 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 culture in Ireland apparently um, it was really frowned upon uh, to be an unmarried mother 
So a lot of the children, most of them, the obviously which would have been dual heritage, dual heritage children, um, ended up in the infamous um, church-run, uh, state-funded mother and baby homes. Um, one of them being uh, St. Patrick's. So these these homes were quite notorious and, and stuff like that. So the, obviously there's a whole generation that have grown up um, in that environment. Um, so yeah, um, and the, the reasons why mums, like I said, in that time, the, it would have been frowned upon to be, you know, unmarried mother. Um, and and I'm, I'm sure the fact that the kids would have been dual heritage as well, that would have caused them problems. And so basically there was just like loads of stigma um, associated with it, uh, would have made it impossible for them to get a job, to rent flats. Um, there would have been no state support for the women. So it's kind of a bit of a catch-22. So, yeah. But that's a whole, you know, a whole cohort of people that, I, like I said, I, I didn't know. Never been to Ireland. Maybe one day I'll have to travel once um, travel becomes the norm again. Um, so I think last week, on last yeah, on the last pod, I spoke about um, the Black Lives Matter founders um, and the lack of interviews with them. Like I said, I saw one um, before the uh, George Floyd or around the George Floyd time. Um, but I found one. Yeah, I found one. So there's one online. Um, on the, there's one on the BBC website. Um, and yeah, it was interesting. I mean, it didn't go in, they didn't go into too much depth, but it was interesting to hear, hear their perspective on things. So I definitely recommend have a, have a listen to that. I think they, I think after seeing that, what I think I more wanted to see was somebody, um, interviewing them and being a bit more, delving a bit more, dealing with some of the questions, because the there are a lot of questions about the organisation as such. Um, so, yeah, I think that would have, people would have liked to have heard a bit more about that. But worth having a look, worth having a look. I'm sure they'll do more in time as well. Um, but we're still in this lockdown situation at this point, and I know it's, it's soon over in the next couple of weeks, I think, just under two weeks. But um, we are going into Christmas and New Year's and you know, winter, you know, probably starts snowing soon. I think it's snowing up in Scotland already. Um, but uh, domestic violence, you know, and, and just violence of people in, in general, you know, these things are, the numbers are still going up. So um, I thought I'd give out the, the National Domestic um, Abuse Helpline number, which is 0808-2000-247. That's 0808-2000. 247 and it's a free num free free number um confidential um for anybody that's suffering with domestic violence so if you are going through anything if you have gone through anything at least give them a call to have a chat you know even if you're scared even if you think it's not going to happen again whatever it is it's worth having a conversation with them so at least you can um ensure that you survive any negative um uh, abuse that comes your way but also, these, you know, it doesn't just happen. It, I mean, it also happens with um, older people as well. You know, there's like um, older people abuse that happens as well. So I found an organisation that um, also deals with that as well because that's something that's not really spoken about a lot. You know, old people um, being abused um, in silence and stuff. So the organisation is called Hourglass and the contact number is 0808 808 8141. 
That's 0808-808-8141. So that's for um, basically abuse of older people in all its forms. So you can check them out. So um, I, me personally, I have, you know, now they've opened up the gyms, the leisure centers and stuff, I've, I've got back into the gym. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's it, you know, staying fit, being fit, you know, it, it, it helps not just with the physical side of things, but it also, it's quite therapeutic as well. You know, it releases all those positive um, uh, chemicals in the body, you know, and you're moving around. And, you know, let's face it, that this, this 2020 has been, our movement has been very restricted. You know, but that's that's not good for human beings. As a as a as a race of people, it's not good for us to be still and sitting down and confined. So, yeah, I, I just suggest everybody get out there and and just find some way of doing exercise. No matter if you're, you know, if you, if you feel like you can't run, you know, you feel like you you're not in good shape already. Even if you go out and walk. You know, even if you go out and walk for, for an hour and a half, dress appropriately. If it's snowing, if it's raining, just if you dress appropriately, that won't matter. But just get out there and do something, you know. A bit of cardio if you can, you know, walking, that'll hit the cardio. If you can do resistance work for your bones, if you can do some flexibility stuff, stretching, you know, if you can do some endurance stuff, maybe it's longer walks, longer runs, whatever, explosive type stuff, you know, a bit of jumping around. But just do something. That's, that's what I'll say. You know, we're going to eat loads of food this Christmas. We're going to celebrate probably harder than we, 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 we did before in the sense of, you know, what we'll, eat, what we'll consume um, because we're going to be at home more, you know. We're going to be at home. We're not going to be out partying and stuff where you might be able to work off some of that, that food. So, yeah, get out there, do something. I, I will be for sure. And obviously, I always talk about the vitamin D situation. Um, definitely, we need to, you know, the, the, the sun's not coming out anytime soon. So the only way you're going to get that vitamin D that builds up your immune system, that helps you with every, every ailment that's going to attack you, whether it's COVID, whether it's a cold, flu, whatever, the only way you're going to get that at this point in the, in the uh, right amounts is, is by taking your supplements, you know, eat vitamin D rich food for sure but you will need to definitely take supplements you know for healthy bones healthy muscles etc so I definitely will always talk about getting that vitamin D up so unfortunately you know with Christmas coming up obviously people are thinking about the turkeys the food the alcohol etc but there is this bird flu thing that's kind of you know we keep hearing little bits and pieces about it but um yeah, it's a real thing, and it, and there's stuff going on now. So I think they've gone as far now to say um, all captive birds in Britain, so your pets, etc., or yeah, pets, zoo animals, I suppose as well, have got to be kept indoors um, during this outbreak. So that's hens, turkeys, etc. Um, and from the 14th of December, um, it will be illegal. It's it's a like it's a legal requirement to keep them indoors. Um, so yeah, there's, so there's definitely something going on. For me, I mean, I don't keep birds. Um, only the yeah, I don't keep birds other than the chicken meat. I still eat meat. Um, 
is the fact that when they talk about uh, the risk to humans, they keep saying it's very low. Um, the government said it's very low, which is cool. Um, and that nobody should be affected um, by consumption of poultry products. However, I think I said it before, I just, it would be nice to just hear there is no uh, risk to us at all. Um, so we do have to be careful. Um, who knows, maybe, maybe, maybe Turkey will be off my menu this year. I'm not sure. I'm not too big a fan of Turkey. You know, it's quite dry, depending on how it's cooked. But, um, but yeah, so definitely make sure you're cooking your meat proper. So I really, really, really enjoyed the Soul Train 2020 Awards this year. It was on BET. If you can catch that, definitely catch that. It just really set the tone for me for the holiday season. You know, um, soul and R&B, I think, are going to be on the top of my list um, this, this, this season, playing in the background. I, um, it made me realise how much uh, R&B music, I mean, I, I like all sorts of music, but, you know, R&B was a specific period in my life, um, in the 90s. You know, R&B in the 90s, it was absolute classic era, and they was playing some classic tunes. The, 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 the artist that stood out the most for me on there was um, Monica. She, she got, um, I forgot what award she got. Like, they kind of really honoured it. It wasn't about a specific album. I think her time in the music business, but she just sung some of the classics, and it just brought back some memories. But it made me realise I don't have a lot of that music. So, yeah, I, I will be on Amazon um, between now and Christmas and buying up some some new music for sure. So um, I also watched, yeah, so definitely catch that though. Yeah, so the Soul Train Awards, always good. Very, yeah, always good. Um, so I also watched the uh, Anton Ferdinand um, documentary in regards to racism uh, that he dealt with from John Terry. I remember at, at the time, I remember hearing about it, but I didn't really take too much notice, to be fair. I weren't really... Um, yeah, I didn't really take too much notice for whatever reason. But after watching it, I got off. It gives you a full insight to to what he went through, and it was clear, you know, John Terry said what he said, you know, um, and but it was interesting that Anton Ferdinand didn't actually even hear it. He didn't, you know, it was some somebody had to show him on the phone afterwards, you know, because obviously uh, it, it was being filmed. Um, by the TV, and this is this is how they uh, was was able to prove that he had actually said what he said. Um, so yeah, so he, he he didn't actually hear it, but it caused once he saw it. Obviously, he was livid. You know, he was he was livid. He, he I think I got the the feeling. I don't know if he actually said it, but I got the feeling he actually wanted to put hands on John Terry um, once he realised what he had said. Um, but he didn't get to that. And he didn't really speak out about it as well. I think that's what, what everybody wanted. And I think he regrets that now as well. He, di he didn't really speak out about it. He just wanted the FA to just deal with it. And he, he didn't, you know, wouldn't have to do anything about it. Um, but the way the FA dealt with it, you know, during the interview, because he, he was able to listen to the interview now. And yeah, I mean, I, from hearing it, I could just hear the unconscious bias in, in the way that they were interviewing John Terry. Um, it was like, you know, it was like it was their pal they were interviewing type of thing. So, um, but yeah, so 
it looks like um, Anton Ferdinand's uh, career was cut short through this because he was getting booed at every game. And I think, I don't know, maybe his game, his ability to play as well as he did, that kind of diminished as well, I think, on some level. Um, but yeah, he, he went through a lot. He went through a lot. And you can see he's quite an emotional guy. You know, he, he's, he wears his heart on his sleeve and stuff. Um, but yeah, he, he was getting all kinds of threats, you know, threats towards his mother, throwing things at his mum's house, you know, sending bullets in the post. Um, and yeah, and, he, and I don't think he felt that he got the right support from um, Kick It Out, which is actually funded by the FA. But during the, during the whole thing, he, he didn't feel like he got the support. So quite sad, really. Quite sad, but um, but at least he's got it off his chest now. And and uh, what he was saying was, um, you know, his mum has passed now and um, through cancer. And he was talking about how, you know, he's this is what his mum would have wanted him to do, you know, to talk about it and and speak his mind. So, so yeah, that's that's taken a lot off his shoulder. So, yeah, man, happy for him. Happy. It's always good to talk, man. It don't make sense carrying stuff for years. And I think that's nine years that's been on him. So, so yeah. Um, so yeah, boxing. Yeah, last weekend was a definitely fight night. Um, few few fights on. The only one I was really interested in though was the Tyson and Roy Jones Jr., um, which was cool. I mean, to be fair, I I do feel a bit like I was robbed because you know you pay for you pay. I mean, this is a fight happening in America, and you pay for the the box office stuff to get the whole experience. The American razzmatazz. You have artists doing music in between, et cetera, et cetera. But what happened is you get to see the fight, you get to see, uh, you get to see the fight and then the, uh, the, the, inter, the commentary, the commentary stuff from the Americans, you don't get to hear because they'll switch back to the UK commentators. And the UK commentators, I've got to say, it's real dry compared to the American commentators, you know? It's kind of dry, you know? Um, you want to? I'm expecting. I was expecting to see it from you know everything that they're showing in America, and even the acts. They showed the acts, and then they'd cut the acts and stuff like that. You don't want all that when you pay for your money. So I don't know. I'm I'm debating whether I'm going to be paying for any of those um, fights in Las Vegas and in, in America. Because um, what can you do once it's happened? But the fight itself, well, the fight the fight was good. I mean. You could. See, it was all. It was Tyson all day, really. It was Tyson all day. Um, I, 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 I would, and you could see the holding back, and you know, not going for the knockout. Um, but it was nice. Let's just say that it was nice. But I would have liked to see the, the real Mike Tyson. The real, but we weren't going to get that. That that would have been a. It would have went against everything that they said they were going to do if Tyson had really got into Tyson mode. So, but yeah, it was good. It was good. Um, so the small acts, the last episode that we saw was the um, red, white, and blue um, with uh, Leroy Logan's um, story, um, which was good. It was all right. It was all right. But to be fair, um, I even knowing that it was Leroy Logan's um, story, and it's you know it's a valid story, and I think everybody's story should be told. But it wasn't one of the stories that I particularly wanted to hear. I didn't. You know, I haven't heard anything that may be like, oh, let me understand what his life was about. So it didn't really tick that kind of box for me. But 
at least I know about his life and he, you know, he's, he's done a lot. You know, you have to take your hat off to him. And this isn't no slant on, on what he's done. It's just, like I said, for me personally, it wasn't one of the stories that I particularly wanted to hear. But hats off to him. You know, he founded the, um, the he's, yeah, he was a founding member of the Black Police Association. You know, he got an MBA, MBA from the Queen in 2001 uh, for developing um, anti-racist policies in the police. So, you know, this this man is um, he, he's definitely one of ours and, and, and doing beyond, going, you know, he, he went beyond the call of duty, you know, for his time. And I'm sure, he, and he still does, you know, he's always on the telly um, speaking at and exposing the, 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 the disproportionate um, things that happen with um, black people in the UK. So, yeah. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, I think, do you know what, to be fair, I think the mangrove... That was the bar was set quite it was quite high with that you know and I think because that was the first one we're all watching um, these these episodes and looking for something that's gonna at least be on par with that um, so I'm hoping this episode episode four which is with uh, it's Alex Whittle's story that's at nine o'clock um, this evening if you're watching this as it comes sorry if you're listening to this as it comes out it'd be this evening at nine o'clock on BBC. Um, which is a true story um, based in uh, 1981 um, in, around the Brixton uprising, the riots, etc. And there's um, some, there's a prison element to the story. I don't want to uh, do any spoilers, so um, but I'd definitely say watch that. Um, yeah, so I'm, I am looking forward to to that one. To be fair, um, more so because I don't I don't know too much about Alex Will. Um, but more so in regards to the Brixton riots and the uprising around that, and and the prison the prison aspect of that time as well. That's going to be interesting, I think. So yeah, definitely be setting my record button for that. So the book that I have been asked to um, acknowledge and and share with you guys is Afropean um, notes from Black Europeans by John Pitt, Johnny Pitts. So it's a study of the black identity in Europe. So this is a good read and definitely one to check out um, and get for your bookshelves, give you an insight into the black experience, you know, black identity in Europe, you know, because it is, it is different, it is unique. It is a unique experience um, growing up black in, in Britain, in Europe. So yeah, definitely check that one out, Afropean. So as I always say, you know, we're going through it. Um, we're going through different times. Um, the fact that there is a vaccine here, you know, some people are never going to take it willingly. Some people are happy to have it, um, you know, but it's here, you know, and we, and we have choice, you know, we're, they're talking about having choice. But, you know, it just kind of, for me, it furthers the point that all is not lost, actually. And even without a vaccine, all is not lost. We're human beings, we're resilient, we go through things and we, we get through them, you know, as challenging as they are. We go through them and we get through them. So um, all the opportunities are there. There are opportunities for new things, to do things, to discover new things, to, to meet new people, to, to create new things, you know. The, the opportunities are there, you know. It's just about where you put your focus. It's just about where you put your focus. All, all of the, I mean, something I, I'm 
noticing more and more, and I'm sure everybody else is, you know, the amount of um, big businesses that are closing down and um, all of that real estate space, you know, all of those shops that are closing down on the high street, what's going to happen with it, you know? There's, there's an opportunity for somebody to work out how what is going to happen with all this 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 open space because I'm sure most shops will be tapping into the fact that they should have been online, you know. Um, even if they have got a shop front, you know, it is about making sure that you're heavy online like Amazon and all the others. So I'm not sure how those properties are now going to be filled. So there's an opportunity there for somebody who's willing to explore that. But there's countless others, big, small, medium sized. There's countless others. So let's let's keep it positive. Let's do what we can do. Let's stay safe. Um, keep clean. Look after. Look out for people that are less fortunate than yourself. And yeah, let's do what we can do. Let's be as resilient as we can be. So thank you again for choosing Pablo's podcast today. Hopefully you can join me on the next one. Until then, take care and be nice to each other. Thank you for listening to Pablo's podcast. I'm Pablo from Hackney, and you can catch me next week for more healthy discussion.